Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers, and today I want to talk about helping children with adverse childhood experiences called ACEs. You may have heard of these. Back in 1998, there was an article that first coined the phrase uh, adverse childhood experiences, and we've used it ever since. And um, by the way, if you want to read more about this, an excellent book is The Deepest Well, The Deepest Well by Nadine Burke Harris. Um, so ACEs would include any of these 10 before the age of 18. So it means that there's a clear and present danger in a child's everyday life in one of these. Recurrent emotional abuse, recurrent physical abuse, recurrent sexual abuse by contact, physical or emotional neglect, substance abuse in the household, mental illness in the household, a mother being treated violently while the child watches, divorce or parental separation, and criminal behavior in the household. Also, interestingly, toxic stress is consistently transmitted from parent to child. It's been handed down reliably from generation to generation. So we need to look at that element as well. Most people don't recognize that there's a connection between this early childhood adversity and later heart disease, cardiovascular issues, cancer, and other killers. Also, autoimmune diseases are related to this. Higher rates of obesity, food allergies, um, and asthma. Uh, ACEs really take a toll on our bodies. And it disrupts our normal development. The normal development of a child gets disrupted if they, uh, in their everyday lives, come face to face with one of these 10, as I talked about. Um, it it uh, affects academic, academic development. Um, and it means the stress response in the body is doing its job. But the problem is when we go from responding to stress to having long-term stress, then our response becomes maladaptive. You know, a normal response is the dog is snarling and I, and I run away. But um, it can feel like that that is the situation all the time. And so now I'm having maladaptive and life-damaging responses. And it makes it really hard to live in the present. It's like a soldier who comes home with PTSD and a car backfires and suddenly they're on the battlefield again with guns firing and they duck and cover and have a very exaggerated response. The body feels like it's in danger and the emotions are dysregulated. So what's involved in the body and brain? Well, there are six things, and I know this gets a little technical, um, but it, I think it's important for you to see what's really happening. Okay, so the brain's fear center is the amygdala up here. Uh, and the amygdala helps us identify and react to threats. Then there's the prefrontal cortex. It's the front part of the brain that regulates cognitive function, executive function, that includes judgment, mood, and emotions. That's pretty important. Then we have the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis called the HPS axis. That initiates the production of cortisol, 
which is a, um, a longer acting stress hormone, very important. The adrenals produ uh, produce cortisol and cortisol should be high in the morning. It helps us wake up and low at night to help us go to sleep. But when we have excess, excess cortisol, it can affect our sleep, our blood pressure, inhibit clear thinking, destabilize our mood, and stimulate fat accumulation and the craving for sugar. Then there is the sympathoadrenomedullary axis, which is called the SAM, S-A-M axis. And it initiates adrenal and noradrenaline production. It's a shorter acting stress hormone. Cortisol is longer acting and adrenal is shorter acting. Then the hippocampus in the brain, which processes emotional information. And then we have the noradrenergic, <laughs> I think, nucleus in the locus corellius. So this is a within the brain stress response system that regulates mood, irritability, locomotion, arousal, attention, and that startle response. And it drives aggressive behavior. So it's really important for parents and schools to understand this. And it can mess with your sleep-wake cycle and compromise your ability to override impulses. So a lot of reaction response is going on in the brain and the body as it should be. We've been designed to respond. And when we have tolerable stress, the body responds in, in, in one of these six systems, six systems. Um, and when that activation is time limited, so it's, it's, a, it's a short situation, and it's buffered by relationships with adults who comfort and, and, and explain things to the child, the child can adapt and their brain recovers pretty quickly. And it can be something as simple as a, a dad hugging the child. Do you know that when we hug someone for 20 seconds or more, the feel-good hormone oxytocin gets released? It's the same hormone that nursing mothers release when they're holding their babies. And that's a very good thing creates a very strong bond, or it could be something as simple as a grandmother, just listening to, to the child's um, uh, sorrows. So the child needs to feel safe, the child needs to feel heard. The body uses something called feedback inhibition to tell the stress response it's time to turn off. But with ACEs, the cortisol pattern is disrupted and that stress response gets dysregulated. It, it's just been activated either too frequently or too intensely without adult support for the child. And the body loses its ability to shut down that stress response and to live in rest and peace. So the cortisol just keeps producing and the child just keeps having these exaggerated responses. We all need some positive stress to learn to manage things, to learn to tolerate life. Uh, but high doses of this adversity affects our brain structure. It affects, uh, uh, it literally can affect our DNA for life. It certainly affects our immune system, our hormonal systems. And adults who have had ACEs as children have higher rates of depression and anxiety as adults. One other area of the brain that's affected is called the ventral 
tegmental area, the VTA, and that's the pleasure reward motivation center, which plays a huge role in our behavior and in addictions. And it releases dopamine, which is also a feel-good transmitter that peppers the brain with rewards when we have sex, when we eat chocolate, when we take heroin. But when our stress response is overloaded, again, with these ACEs, it messes with the sensitivity of the dopamine receptors and we don't get what we need. And so because of the impact on the pleasure center, chronic stress just increases our craving for high sugar, high fat foods, and it makes it easier to store fats. Um, all parts of our immune system are affected by our stress hormones. So early childhood disruptions because of these adverse experiences can lead to lifelong alterations in the function of the immune system, as well as I mentioned in the brain structure. That's just how powerful they are. So what do children need? What do children really need when they're having some of these adverse experiences? Well, they are gonna create a story out of confusing events. It's just what we do. We are meaning-making people and children create meaning. And so we give meaning to what's happening to us. And, uh, and it might be something as simple as, uh, daddy hit mommy, I'm a bad boy, because I didn't stop it, right? Uh, because when children can't explain things, they tend to blame themselves. And they create now this system of belief about their own badness or their own unworthiness and so on. Dr. Adler said, children are excellent observers, but they are poor interpreters. It's adults who need to help children interpret what's happening. They need families who they can talk to honestly about any trauma or crisis or adverse experiences. And parents need tools uh, to help support their children and buffer their children, especially during a time of crisis. And so many parents just leave their children to sort of interpret on their own and don't help them understand what's happening, but there's such healing power in relationships. Children also need help in making connections between present stress and past traumas and what's happening to them and why they're having these reactive systems. So the attachment between the parent and child is fundamental to our health and well-being, especially the child's attachment to mother, so much of their being and well-being comes through that. And when children are stressed, they find it very difficult to learn, to learn in school, uh, because they can't relax and their brain can't focus on academics. And it's like the amygdala is always saying, alert, alert, danger, danger. And so they can't just relax and focus on learning. Um, our schools really need to understand this. Children need help dealing with stressful moments. And we can teach them things like deep breathing. We can help them establish healthy eating habits. We can help them establish healthy sleeping habits, exercise habits. These are all part of holistic well-being. Um, we, we know and understand that healthy exercise, whether children or adults, helps reduce our stress because it increases a certain protein that's like miracle grow for the brain, exercise does. Um, 
But interestingly, research points to one particular treatment that lowers cholesterol, uh, I'm sorry, cortisol, which is the long-term stress uh, hormone, regulates the brain, balances the immune system, and improves thinking. And the key is right there in scripture and um, research has shown. It's meditation, meditation. And we can teach children to meditate. So when stress activates that fight or flight symptom, which is part of the sympathetic nervous system, meditation activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the resting, digesting. Isn't that interesting? And then, uh, and I've mentioned this, but children need good buffers. They need adults who can give them care and comfort, whether it's just an after-school mentor for a child, uh, whatever. Um, Jesus said, whatever you do for one of the least of these, you do for me. We need to pay attention to our children and to their needs. And if a child can receive therapy, play therapy is absolutely the best therapy because play is their language. Verbal communication is the language of adults, but not of children. They play. That's how they work things out in their world. It's much, much safer for them. And um, actually, we can just sit on the floor and play with children and ask them a few questions, but we don't want to be intrusive because trauma and these adverse childhood experiences are intrusive. And the last thing we want to do is intrude. We want to invite and pull them out with play. So the focus of any treatment for a child is not the trauma itself. It's the child. Focus on the child. What does the child need? And if we're helping a child, we want to facilitate that, that process. And we have to understand that a child lives within a framework. They live within a system, a family system. So often the whole family needs help as well. So, all right, I hope this has helped you understand ACE's adverse childhood experiences and how it affects children and then how it later affects adults. Um, thank you so much for joining me today.